Welcome to Media Life with me, Matt Rudd. And me, Nick Swift. The first in a 13 weekly podcast episodes. Why 13, Nick? Because <laughs> it's a lucky number, Ruddy. I thought it was a quarter or something. Oh, 13 weeks. That's right. Three months. That's true. So, well, it's more of a fireside chat with a guest on their life in media, from where it all began, their journey, and where they're currently at, and the highs and lows along the way. Perhaps a few funny stories, not to mention a junket or two. So we like to start at the beginning with our guests. And before Swifty chimes in with, Who's to blame? All right. Welcome, Alex Peckish, to Media Life. Here Welcome, with Alex. Nick Swift. Thank you. Thank you very much. How's my makeup, guys? Is it all right? Mm -hmm. Perfect, mate. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you got your skin tones all sorted. Oh, God, thank you. So I suppose just to kick things off, really, it's like very casual, really, just to chat through your, your career and your life as such. Yeah, I mean, we asked the question, how did you get into media? Do you want to take a bit about your education or how you, how you got into media, really, and then your way through it, really? I guess like m most of us old bastards, no one even knew what media was back then. There wasn't any specific university courses or degrees or anything in media. Well, there may have been, but we, I didn't know about it. I started my life as, as an accountant and right. I was actually really not that good at it but for some reason, <laughs> for some reason I had a bit of charisma and, and I got picked up by Pete Marwick and I did about two or three years there. Oh, um, Pete Marwick, yeah. KPMG I think they called back then, <laughs> or Pete Marwick, I think it was whatever. And then what was your issue with accounting? You couldn't count? You couldn't no, count. I, no, I could count but it was just boring. Yeah. Like it was just boring. So, I mean, after a while, I was sitting there doing my PY tax exam, which you had to do, and, and I hadn't studied at all or even, even looked at a book, and I just looked at it and went, this really isn't for me. I don't like it in the first place, and why am I even here? But I, it was good, because I got to go to Nauru, but not many people have been in Nauru, which is a great island. I ended up... It's made of boo, isn't it? It's made of complete boo, bird shit. And Where is that? Nauru. Yeah. It's... it's um. It's Queensland to the right. It's part of all of that Micronesia oh, yeah. or Macronesia area. Went to an island called Kiribati. So my experience with Pete Mark wasn't too bad. But one of the funniest things that I had was after the PY ex exam, which I knew I wasn't even going to get a, a two out of it, I went up to my partner and I said, listen, Pete, I've really enjoyed my time here, but I'm going to decide to go back to hot dog selling. And when, when this guy who was just like this suit and tie and stuck, you're going to go to hot dog selling? Yeah, mate. I make more money out of that and it's a lot more desirable. <laughs> you were the number one hot dog vendor in South I think you owned the Nepean Highway Stripper Club from, from the Chevron down to 21st century. No, I didn't, Nick, but thank you very much for that acknowledgement. Mm. Uh, very close. No, I think we had about six or seven hot dog stands at the time, and the biggest one was Chasers, which people that are probably getting to listen to this podcast would have gone to. And we used to sell 600 hot dogs a night at three bucks a pop, making $2 profit on each hot dog. So it was a, it was a nice little learner. Yeah. But after a while, I just I got sick of all these conversations with how much sauce you put on a hot dog and 
it was just numb numb I, I i had groupies as well too that would um just want to hang out with me and i don't uh, sheila's no it was just bored guys yeah. that were just want, they didn't have anything to do and the pub had closed so they went all right let's go and hang out with a hot dog guy Right, and I'm like, and, and I and I couldn't move because yeah. I was stuck in this. You're selling hot dogs. In yeah, I had to stay there. But did they buy hot dogs? Off? Yeah, they they, they bought they? one, and then after a while, they wanted them for free because they they because we're keeping you entertained. I'm like, you're, you're not, not mate. You're not mate. But I guess the good thing out of that is it actually set up my career in that hanging what, out with boring drunk. Hanging out with boring drunk. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But for me, it was more about listening and being able to listen to people and not jump in, and which I had to do a lot of because I was in a position where I couldn't do anything, bust, stand behind a stand. But my career kicked off as I, I went to I went to uni with a guy called Mark O'Brien. Uh, no, what was, happens if the Saints and the Pies end up in the grand final? Still be friends? We'll beat them again. <laughs> we, have to get, we have to get Robert on there as well. Um, <laughs> game on. And, and he said to me that there was a job going at one of the one of the media media companies, which was Media Decisions. And he said, come in for the interview, and I'll be dazzled Peter Davey, who was the boss of Media Decisions at the time, and, and then started my career from there. Well, that's a great segue to a segment we call Who's to Blame. Yeah. So it's Mobber. Well, well, I would say it's, and, mo- it's, it's Mobber, yeah. And Peter Davey. Well, Peter Davey employed me. Mm. What did know, Media Decisions become? Media decisions, I think, became. It was even Mediacom ended up in in those premises yeah. over there. Uh, but Rolled that, into that, Zenith, and Zenith became. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was it was fantastic. It was. What account did you start off on? Uh, I was lucky enough to work under the under the di- dictatorship of Joan Ryan on Target back in the days when there was no emails and there was faxes and and there was a target would have a sale on every second week 15% off or 20% off and I was lucky enough that I got to work till 10 o'clock at night every night Mm. checking confirmations that the confirmations had the right key number saying from tomorrow 20% off and sometimes I would get it wrong and miss Mildura or something like that Mm. which said that from today like that that marked it the key numbers around and Joan Ryan, God bless her soul, would yell and scream obscenities at me. Joan Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't happen in today's day and age. You must be talking about a different Joan Ryan. No, no. But so, uh, yeah, so I, I, through one of my friends, Ange Frulio, said to me, if you can get through working with Joan Ryan... We need a bell for every time he name drops. Yeah. There's some big names here. Yeah. If, if you uh, if you can get through working for Joe Ryan, you can get through working for anyone. So, with the possible exception of Lyndall Camphor? Well, I reckon they've been the same league. <laughs> I reckon, but Lyndall's lovely as well too. She's beautiful. I saw and, her and she dresses better than Joe. Should have seen what she was wearing yesterday. She looked absolutely <laughs> magnificent, magnificent. Back in those days as well too, there was a lot more work with each other as well. So we'd all go out and get drunk together. At work, would stay back, and I mean, this is nerdy, but you'd have Craig Stateman, uh, uh, Jane Cook, Jane Ryan, Alan Scash, and we'd stay there and, and, and we'd play this, you know, what's the radio station in, in, in here, or what's the newspaper here, and, and it was like, it was an education as well, too. You, you, it, it was an apprenticeship back there. 
there wasn't a desire. Well, there was a desire from an arrogant peckish. He wanted to be the boss after six months, but it wasn't like now you, you, you need to go up after six months and then another six months. Well, no, you don't. You actually need to do your time, understand what you do, your craft and build on it. So yeah, that's how it started. So there you go. So you're still at media decisions and you're living the dream under the tyrannical rule of Joan Ryan, but you had some good people there. Yes. Skashi. Skashi was there. Leo Neal was there in the early days as well too. And it was great. But after about two or three years, I I decided to get back in a small business and I bought into a fish and chip shop called Muscles, which was going to franchise fish and chips across Australia. Hmm? Whereabouts was that? It was in Elwood. It was on Glen Huntley Road, right down the end there. And that was fantastic. And the only issue with that was trying to work out that, trying to get right, not having both hands in the batter when you batter the fish. Because sometimes you put the left hand in and then you get the right hand and you take the fish out. And that was the wrong thing to do because then your hands would be full of batter and then the next fish would be too much batter on it. So, but anyway, I got over that really quickly. How do you get over that? What what was the technique then? Well, it was just use one hand. One hand in, Mm. one hand out, and then the flower. These learnings would have, these complex decision-making learnings would have come in very handy later on. These they did. They did. They did. In in dealing with one Nick Swift later in life. Did you get groupies there as well or not? There was a few groupies, but unfortunately the smell uh, put a lot of people off. The smell um, of batter? I know, the smell of fish and chips. Like, that was just the worst smell. Um, really? Oh, when you, when you do it for a profession. Oh, yeah. yeah, actually, I'm, I want to eat fish and chips right now. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> There's actually a good fish and chip shop over there. I went and checked chips. him out the other day. So do you think you can eat more fish and chips or more hot dogs? I once ate nine hot dogs in a night after oh, a night out at, I think it was at Zagami's in, when it, back in there, it was Daisy Age was the oh. nightclub at Zagami's Hotel on Warrigal Road. Yeah. And to look at me, you wouldn't know, but I can eat. I yeah. go good. Yeah. And I, I didn't go to work the next day. I was as sick as anyone's ever been. Can you imagine eating eight, eight or nine hot dogs with onion and cheese and mustard, yeah. the whole bit, mm. sitting on the rocks in the car park watching the fights? Yep. Yeah. Good times. It was good times, wasn't it? Good times. Yep. Yeah. And then from there, I, I, I was missing media. And because you... Did you miss media or you miss Joan Ryan? Oh, no, I'd gotten... I, actually, I became friends with Joan Ryan towards the end of it, so we were all good in there. But I did. I just miss media and I, I miss the people. And I, I, and I miss the intellectual conversations sometimes oh. with people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> okay. Sometimes. Sure, why not? So I, so I ended up getting a, a gig at Optimedia with Belinda Rowe. Yeah, so I did that. I did. What's she doing now? Uh, she she doesn't need to do a lot. I think she's on a few boards. Mm. She lives in Sydney, in in beautiful Bondi Beach or around that area. Yeah. But yeah, she's done a hard yards. Yeah. And then I, I I met a I met one of my good mates, a guy called Michael Lane, and together we would dream of being a planning director and a buying director of an agency. Well, after after a little while, I ended up given the fish and chip business away because that was just too hard and getting back in the media. And Optimedia went on this huge role of winning Telstra, 20th Century Fox, Kellogg's. And I got a call 
from Rushy saying, would you be interested in coming up to Sydney to work with Horgan to work Simon, on... Simon Rush. Simon Rush. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, to work on Kellogg's, which was, which was awesome because at that time they were with Mindshare and they'd been with Mindshare for like 600 years beforehand, but they'd got angry that year with Mindshare and so they, so they said, see you later, Mindshare. So Mindshare, out of pure love for the client that had been with them for so long, decided to delete and charge three months' worth of activity. So we walked in, we walked in with $2.7 million worth of delete and charge to be used in kids' airtime, which at that stage was between 8 a.m. and 12 on a Saturday and 4.30. Right? And it was like, You've got to get rid of all this delete and charge. At a spot rate of about 15 bucks. Yeah. Get and rid I'll of... just quickly work out how long. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, would have taken years. No, well, it didn't. Because yeah. when when you're when you're good, we got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ruddy and I don't understand that. <laughs> no, we got rid of it in a year, which mm. was which was all good. And then and then and then then Sydney started going from there. So you were living in Sydney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to Sydney, then then, then went and... You uh, bought a place there. Uh, bought yeah. a place there. Started, then went went over to work at Icon, right at the start as the head of buying, which was awesome. Which who was, was there then? I can say who was It was there. the original yeah. pack. It was Gary, Simon, Paul Simpson, I think Rachel Nolan would have been there, Lisa Christie, Chelsea, a few others, mm. with one client, Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. yeah, they really took off actually that time, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys did really well as well, didn't they? Well, they had good backing behind them. Yeah, the support of the best, of course. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, and then and then and then after that, I got thought I'd do the right thing and go and work with with James Warburton on the federal government, and it was just after Harold had had lost the government, and Harold wasn't very happy that he'd lost the government. So what year is this roughly, just so we've got a timeline? 2000, yeah. 2001, maybe? Yeah. 2002? 2001. Yeah. So Harold... And he called, I think he called James Warburton a prick in I think, the newspapers. I think he called him a little kid or something, something yeah. like that. But anyway, James had promised the government significant rate reductions and rate improvements and um, I was hired to negotiate the rates with James. Little did we know that Harold, God bless Harold, so had rang all the media owners and told them not to give James anything, right? <laughs> give them nothing. In fact, you haven't had a rate. Put the rates up. You haven't had a rate increase for three years under under Mitchell's. Uh, yes, you deserve uh, it. You deserve it, right? Put a one in front of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we went for this, we went for this three to six month period trying to get something back. And the government was saying, well, come on, you promised us this. Why, you haven't, why haven't you finished the rate negotiations? And it was, it was just this complete clusterfuck that was orchestrated by Harold. In the end, the media owners bent a little bit. Probably wasn't as good as, but through the through the uh, mystique of spreadsheets and numbers, you can always paint a great story that you've delivered a minus 20 when it's really only a minus two or something like that. But but you still got a negative. Of course, mate. When you expect anything less. Of course. And then you didn't stay the course with you because they held FedGov for a 
decade. Yes, yes, yes. Somehow you ended up in Melbourne. No, 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 not before that. No, no, I was lucky enough to be in this situation where they hadn't, I mean, as as we all know, setting up a, a reasonably big account is not easy. People come and go, you just hire people left, right, centre, they're not right for the job. I mean, I was lucky enough to be given four assistants and two buyers to work on my buying side of the business. One of the buyers had never bought TV in her life. And the assistants were, three of them were, had just come into the business. And it was like, well, why aren't we delivering? And it's like, well, we'll look at the team that you've got. Anyway, so what had happened was after six months, government goes, oh, we need change, right? So I got hauled into the MD's office and said, look, Pecker, you've done nothing wrong. But unfortunately, your strategy side person has located herself to Canberra and it's going to cost a lot of money to remove her. So you've got to go. And I went, okay. Little did they know that I'd spoke to Stuart Mitchell two weeks beforehand going, mate, this this is completely fucked. I need to get out of here. And he goes, yep, sort of come and work with me. So it was great. I left there, renovated my kitchen, and then started the week after at Mitchell's. So you-, you renovated your kitchen in a week? Well, I was already... I, I, no, but I'm... No, I didn't do it. I didn't do oh, it. Oh, right, yeah. But I just did it as part of it. Here's your payout. Thank you very much. See you later. Mm-hmm. Would you like to stay and work on another account for a month? Like, no. why would I? Mm-hmm. I'm out of here now. Thank you very much. Bye. What year was that? The, well, I only, only was only there for about six to nine months. No, no, oh, sorry. Came, so six, when you went to see, when you came to Mitchell's? It would have been... 2003. Yeah, about then. Yeah, because I joined in 2005 and you were already there then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was in Sydney with Stuart was. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's quite funny actually because I used to have the corner office, which was equidistance from Stuart's office to Harold's office, and they would walk and meet in the middle in Sydney, in Sydney yeah. Yeah, right outside my office, which they just happened to put me in because I was only Stadium Media, and they'd have all these major conversations, and sometimes they'd step into my office, and I'd be sitting there, and they'd be standing literally two meters away from me, just having these massive talks. It was all about the time when the shares coming in, and they were doing image and stuff. Really, like, high-level conversations, and Stuart turned turn around and go, you're not listening to any of this, are you? I went, and well, of course not. No, of course not. And he goes, oh, good. With your stockbroker on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. God, two cents to a dollar fifty or whatever they got up to. It was good. It was very good. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So who was, it, who, who was the team when you were there? Because Paul Macbeth, he would have been around. Macbeth was around, yeah. Macbeth, they were all there. But there was a coup that was happening then. And, and Nick will tell you a little bit about the coup with, with his old boss. 2005. Yeah. Mm. Didn't end well, like, like a lot of coups. Uh. It didn't end well. Oh, yeah, that's what's his name, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that, the whole team was there for, for, for a couple of years and then we moved off and then there were some changes that were made and mm. went from there. And then you stayed at Mitchell's Dentsu, Mitchell's Aegis Dentsu, yep. in that order, until when, 2019? 2019, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people, we just hung around. Yep. Like, you, went to, you went to Perth as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right, yes. yes. I remember yep. coming to see you in Perth once. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was a really good experience in life. 
Um, yeah, you set up the whole business mid, over there. Mid, and you bought, you we, bought agencies and... Well, yes. Mm. We, end up, we end up merging with, um, with Starcom because the Starcom part of the business was local people, owned 70% and 30% were owned by Global. But that was a fun experience because Stuart said to me, he goes, oh, look, mate, we've just merged two offices in, in WA and we've bought one, we've bought two and we've merged them. And I'm like, okay, he goes, look, they're not getting on. I just need you to go over there and sort it out. You'll only be there for two weeks. And I'm like, okay, mate. No. Um, two years later, yeah, and I'm like, mate, Collingwood's in the grand final. I really need to come back and be amongst my people. So, but... The actual the buyout process with with, with Starcom got delayed because it was when the GFC hit. Oh yeah. So they weren't prepared to sign anything. So I think I got there in nineteen around late nineteen. No, sorry, two thousand and seven. And then left ten in March two thousand and ten. Might have been two thousand and eight. Yeah, somewhere around there. I don't know. But that was that was a really good experience. And Perth is. Perth just a beautiful place, and, and the people are just fantastic. Made you know? even better by you being there. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I had good people around me, of which Nick came up to came to Perth came up a few times, quite a few. Actually, times. worked out well for me because I came over, and I think the first time we came over, we had a big Chinese tea down at the, at the waterfront area or something. Yeah, it was great. It was beautiful, and then the second time. It was somebody's upfronts or something, and they were handing out what was the precursor to the iPhone. It looked like an iPhone, but it didn't make phone calls. Do you remember? It was like a, it was a precursor to the iPad. It was that big, mm. and it was like a little fucking thing for music. It was like the next generation of the iPod, but it looked like that. Mm. So I went to the upfronts, got one there, flew home to Melbourne, and got one again. And got one again over there. They gave it to someone for Christmas and they're like, oh, Uncle Nick, you're the best. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was completely useless because Wi-Fi didn't exist at that stage, but it was a nice gesture. Mm. Which actually, we should bring that up actually. Junkets, good ones? Any good ones that you've been on? Oh, he's been on them all. Are you leading this, Nick, or am I? I was just reminiscing about Junkets um, and you went on. Really? I don't. I, I'm a bit bashful in this kind of area. Winter Olympics. I don't want to talk too much, but I reckon I'm probably one of the luckiest media people from a junket perspective. And work we, seminars, I think. Which, yeah, yeah, or work yeah, seminars, or whatever you call it. Seminars. I reckon. I reckon of World Cup soccer mm. in Germany, Sydney Olympics, um, London Olympics, Rio Olympics. The Winter Olympics in Russia. You like you like athletics. Yeah, I like athletics. Mm. Mm. Yep. And, and reps. What about the reps? Any good reps? They're all great. Hang on, we haven't been still going with his list oh, of no, chances. No, 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 no. So he's gone through all the Olympics. A couple of winners. A couple of winners. Ashes, Ashes tours. No, I didn't do that. I I, I did go to London once, and I was it for the Olympics. No, Wimbledon. No, Wimbledon. I no, I've never done Wimbledon. Um, and, and cricket, nothing. And I wanted it. And, and, and so I bought some tickets to the Ashes just on, online. Can you do that? You can do that over there. And I, and I, met, I met some guy at, at, at a train station and, and he charged me £250 
a ticket like, like I couldn't care. It was day one of of the Lord's, the Lord's test. And I'm, I'm, so I've gone there and I've gone to one of the uh, okay, and they only let you pull out five dollar and ten dollar notes. And I was like, seriously, guys, like I'm just about to pay some guy five hundred pound for two tickets, and I've got to give it to him in five dollar and ten dollar notes. And they wouldn't let me go to a bank because I wasn't a citizen. And I was like, oh. Anyway, made the exchange at Madame Tassou's uh, museum just in front of there, gave him his uh, money, he gave me my money, uh, my tickets, and I, and, um, and I took my wife's best mate um, to the game, and it was fantastic. So I have been to the Ashes, yeah, yes. long story short. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well, it was actually a long story long. Yeah, a long and story long. <laughs> You know, whilst we're, we're really lucky, you, know, you throw in, and Nick's is saying, you throw in Tour de France or you throw in AFL Grand Finals and Grand Prix, and we're lucky living in Melbourne because we've just got so many events here. Do you know? I don't know whether the next generation's going to be as lucky as what we were going to all these events because I just think that. I want you to like go back to your target days and you talk about the faxes and now you look where media is and the. The rise of digital, yeah. and you've seen a lot happen in media. What's your what's your take on that? I think it's fantastic. Do you know? I think that in the 1920s, people got really excited when there was the invention of the fridge. I don't know, or Nick will probably correct me on that it day. Been in Geelong, I think. Uh, and, and that was just a huge thing because people could refrigerate their meat. Right, right now we are getting a fridge or a microwave that's been invented every three months. Every every month, and it, it's it's amazing, and, and where we will go from buying television over the next few years is amazing as well too, and it's and and, and using the technology to be able to make life easier. I think it's great. The hardest thing is trying to keep up with it. Do you know? And I look at my dad now, and and he he, he refuses to pick up a phone or. Or, or an iPad or a computer, and I just go, oh God, one day we're probably going to be like that because it's all got too hard trying to keep up with everything. That's the only thing that worries me about it. But going back from the day where there was a fax, now you've got an email and everyone's CC'd on an email. And if you, if you spend more time responding to emails because they're in writing, right? Seriously. Whereas before, they didn't have emails. Swifty, I've got some exciting news to kickstart our first series of Media Life. What's that, Ruddy? We've got a sponsor, SportsXGlobal.com. SportsXGlobal.com? SportsXGlobal.com, the place for sports commerce, an online platform that enables sellers such as codes, clubs, stadiums to showcase their assets to buyers, being brands and their busy media agency executives, a bit like yourself. To see what's available, and if not now, when in the future, is that prize Carlton shirt, say, available? Go Blues. You can download the club's media kit, and if you want, click on Contact Rights Holder button and email the commercial manager of the club directly, requesting the information you require. No more nagging reps beating down your doors at the wrong time of year. And it's global, so rights holders get more brands looking at their assets. As a seasoned media buyer of 30-some years, Swifty, what do you think of that? Oh, that sounds fantastic, Ruddy. But as always, what's the price? Well, through Media Life, if they sign up now, they get 12 months free access. 
free access, I'm on the website right now. Sportsexglobal.com Sportsexglobal.com So, so a young rep coming into the media now. What do you think? What do you think that's like for them? I mean, do you do you see them? Do you, like the guys out there, for instance, how do you think they're finding it? I think it's hard. I think it's hard, and I think that people are rude. So all these people are now growing up. In my this, experience. Well, that's but that's not your generation, maybe. Yeah. So all these people are growing up in a flick flick zone, right? Flick yes, flick no, flick yes. So they don't pick up the phone. They don't communicate. And it's a, it's a real issue. And, and with Rex coming in, trying to, trying to get appointments, it's no good. We were, we were at a lunch the other day, and I think it was Osterio were talking about the fact that they were doing a presentation to one of the uh, big agencies, and there was 100 people online. None of their faces were up on the screen. Do you know? And it's like, really, guys? You work in communications. What well, communications means you actually talk to people. Well, it means you communicate with people, right? But part of that is talking to people. Part of that's going, g'day, Ruddy, how are you going? How's your day today? Yeah. Right? It's not, I want this on an email, bang, CC Nick Swift, CC Alex Packish, and yeah. then, so, I think, I don't know why I've gone on that waffle. It's true, though. I mean, like, you think about it, before we'd, you'd ring people and talk to them, and now, you're right, it's, it's all email. And you have to go via LinkedIn to find anyone as well. Yeah. Yep. Which is annoying its own right. And, and, Useful, most. And people don't, don't realise that it takes between one and three minutes to totally focus on an email, right? Some people are brilliant, literally, like Mr. Swift, right? Who, who will craft an amazing... Some people aren't, right? And they've got to look at it, process it. And then when you're starting to get, like, 100... 30, 40, 50, however many emails you get a day because you CC'd on them. You've got to look at them because you CC'd on them. That's your whole day. Yeah. And whereas before, it wasn't accountable. There was no accountability back did, in the... Did, did you enjoy that, Alex? Did you? Yeah, it was yeah. probably... You did more than me because <laughs> I was checking confirmations for Joan. But I'd hold myself accountable. Right, yeah, yeah. If you never tell a lie, you never have to remember anything. That's right. That's right. Mm. So, but interesting you say that because when I first started Bus Pack, which would be two thousand and three, we had to have ten appointments a week as a minimum, and that was considered minimum. Mm. And you get out there and you'd be amongst the media agencies and you'd be talking to them because you know that I think he used to call it Johnny on the spot and oh yeah, actually I might have something for you for buses. Mm. That was always the point of being amongst them, and now it seems to have gone there. Which makes it difficult for smaller media owners as well too to get a share of voice within an agency if they yeah. can't get in the agency, which is what yeah. you're talking yeah. about. Mm. That was always the beauty of Stadia was I got to walk around you guys, Mitchells, Cara, all of it, yeah. and listen to what you were talking about. It was good. Yes, yeah. Vianus, exactly. Yep. Radio discs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Look at your plans. Mm. Have Stadia on there. <laughs> Not enough. Should be more. Yeah. Should be more. Mm. And then going back to your junkets, Alex, of which you'd listed off more than I could ever imagine, did you ever see any of them go bad? Did it ever go bad? Because given that you're on a junket, mm. it's probably somewhere warm. One of the sales reps offers you a cool drink, possibly a beer, maybe a glass of wine. Yeah. 
Never for me. Like, no, I always thought of you. You have great self-control and restraint. Yeah, no, I, I did say um, a one J-packer off his nanas um, <laughs> going at, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Horgan or something like that, at the, um, in Moscow. Mm. So that's probably... Not shouting at him. Oh, there was a bit more than that, but... Um, oh. You know, that's probably the only time where... I mean, they're, all, they're always nice, you know. Everyone's nice at these things, mm. which is good. Mm. I don't know your experience, isn't it? I don't know. Well, you... People have told me stories. I've never been that close vicinity to any bad incidents. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. In my life, or, nor have I contributed to them or been responsible for anything. No. Mm. What about that one? I'm telling it. No. I have, yeah, I have. We don't have to name the names. There's no names. We're no name, we don't mention any names. What about the one where someone's asleep on a junket? I think it was in Singapore. We'll leave it at that. And he's woken up by his roommate coming back, who's brought back with him, let's call it friend of the night. Yeah. Barbara and Susie. And Barbara was more Ron in the end, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he works out that was a bit more than he... In, he bargained for. Could have had it done. He went off to the toilets to throw up. Yeah. And the other guy, being a responsible, decent roommate, goes to check on him to make sure he's all right. And in the meantime, Ronnie's done their watches, their wallets, and their passports and cleared, cleaned them out and gone. And a big wad of cash. Yeah. And a lot of cash. Yeah. That's a, that's a junkie gone wrong. Well, we can speak to future guests about that. One of our future guests was there. Yeah. Was but we're not naming junkie. names. We can't. No. That's a disgrace. Yeah. yeah. So I think it <clears throat> reflects poorly on you, Matt, that you've raised. Well, he hasn't That's mentioned any names. No, no. it's a good story. No, people want to hear that. Sensations. Yeah, I was in Kerrang at the time finding out because yeah. your mobiles work overseas these days. Yeah. You know, and I was on a, uh, I was on a regional press discovery tour in the town of Kerrang, actually visiting the press of the, I think the Kerrang Express was called. And my phone rang and it rang again. I thought, God, I better answer this. It looks important. And yeah, they said, Nick, there's been a transgender robbery. Transgender robbery. (laughs) And I, I, you know, it doesn't, it takes a lot to get me in a flat, but that, uh, that I had a reaction to that statement. Now, now, no, nothing like that from my perspective. What about the races? Do you make sure, we never mentioned the races. Do you go to the races? Do you, do you ever go to any of those? Never been a big punter horse no, race, man. No. 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 And then, do you think then that your experiences in the hot dog business and the fish and chip industry, do you think that helped you later in your career when you were responsible for? making decisions that related to approximately $2 billion of media spend at Mitchell's. Was it 1.8 we topped out? Yes, is the answer to your question. (laughs) Which parts of the hot dog and seafood (laughs) industry helped you? Like how you learn to only use your left hand to bat a fish. Did that come in handy? No, 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 no. And Peter Charles banging the table. No, 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 no. But... I mean, look, I think I think buying technician coming from a, a long list of carpet sellers and the art of negotiation, it all was all been bred into me, right? Mm. But not so much the fish and chip shop, but the hot dogs was just taught me patience and taught me how to listen to people. 
And quite often, if you listen to people, and people like to talk, like we're doing right now, mm. right? And sometimes you can pick up stuff that people say and use that to your advantage in a nice, subtle way, you know? And when you're doing those negotiations at that time, presumably it'd be face-to-face a lot of the time. Yep. Uh, All the time. Yeah. Were they good? Of course they were. They were good fun. Yeah. Mm. On both sides as well, too, because they're mutually benefiting both sides. After I'd gained experience, Alex used to let me get the copies for those yep. meetings. And yep. I'd occasionally sit in there and learn. You were good at the coffees, Nick, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And was it? Because I used to write down the order, so I never got it wrong. Yeah, that's right. Days. That's right. And was it a, a range of medias? Range it was of all medias? Of them. All of them. Hmm. And then it started to. At the, when did I start doing it? I don't know. 99 and 2000 with Blatchy. But then by the time Alex arrived, then it, then it started to be cross media deal. So you weren't just doing a deal with nine you were doing a deal with pbl as it was then but correct so you would then be horse trading across tv magazines and digital in the end and the other businesses that they had and alex was the master that was probably your accounting skills coming to play to keep keep track of the dollars and calculate percentages and yep I'm having a heart attack now talking about this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah? Right, there's the ambulance yeah, just went the ambulance. I remember we had one meeting and we were talking about some sort of amount of, maybe it was $20 million, and Alex was talking about percentages of something, and I, I very quickly worked out 1% of $20 million to be $200,000. And Alex said, no, no, Nick, that's, it's, it's $2 million. And I said, well, that's a lot worse. <laughs> Nobody listened to a thing I said for the rest of the day. <laughs> and then, so now, what, what's your go now? You're consulting? You're your uh, own man? Well, now I've, um, yeah. Um, after, um, after, um, after Dency, I was going to say something, but I won't. But um, after Dency, um, I went, okay, well, what's next in life? Unfortunately, unfortunately, I got bowel cancer. And as a result of that, I kind of changed my priorities in life and went, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to go and work in a big organisation because, well, apart from the fact that I was 50 years old, why? You're 50? Yeah, well, I was then. Good heavens, it's not the makers yeah. of Miley, is it? I was then and didn't fit into any of the positive up and coming groups coming going forward that need to be part of the people recruitment agenda. I thought, fuck it, I'll just work for myself. So I've just been doing various projects as a contractor. My mainstay is uh, working with Fago at Media Republic, who have been mates for since the start, actually, when he used to live in Glen Waverley and I lived not far from there and we used to catch cabs home after parties and things like that. I do a couple of days here. I've got a, um, um, an animation um, called the Bondi Crew, which is now at the stage where we're trying to pitch to get a director or a producer to take it to the next step. I do a couple of other little... Um, little co- jobs here and there, whenever people need me as a coach or things like that. I also work with my mate Darren Altman on his chocolate shop. 
I was going to ask you if you're going to have a, are you going to have a, you know, back into the, the food, food industry food or not? Industry. Have you got any? Oh, no, I can't. I, well, I can't lead chemotherapy or now I'm going to do immunotherapy and all that kind of stuff. So you feel shit the next couple of days and then you just you're right again and you're positive. But sometimes things don't happen that week and they got to go in the other week and you can't have a business. You can only consult in bits and, and hopefully you've got people around you who are understanding of your circumstance and, you know, what bacon is and, and it's good. And if people want to get hold of you, what's, what's, the best, what's the best contact details for you? I mean, I know you're on LinkedIn so they can get you there, but do you want to? Oh, I guess they can get me on LinkedIn. I mean, hopefully people know who I am anyway that they yeah. can just pick up the phone and call me and... I'm thinking just if brands do want, and they're listening, that brands that want a consultant, you're the man? Yeah, well, if they do, if they get me on LinkedIn, I'm not plugging myself, so. Yeah. But I've um, done it across. Yeah, heaven, heaven forbid your podcast. That's right, that's right, that's now right. Now's your opportunity to reach a global audience. Yeah. Of potentially millions. No, yes, yes, yeah, potentially, but. Very good, excellent. And what's the future then? What's your prediction for the... F Everybody's got a, a theory about the future of media. What's yours, Nick? Where's it all going? More of the same. Digitalisation, um, programmatic buying, addressable media. It's just going to keep heading and heading. The big question mark is how is AI going to play into that? And there's probably bunches of people sitting around figuring out how we can use these new tools now to mine the billions of data points that you've got. Hundreds of thousands of data points on each person multiplied by how many people in the world. Yep. And then there will be a way to make everything addressable. Yep. I mean, we could run an experiment now. We all, we're all different people with different browsing habits. Some of them not fit for discussion, but if we're like, the programmatic I find exciting because we could pull our phones out and go to a news.com, click on the same story and all see different ads because yep. we've all done different things. Yep. To me, that was exciting. When Jason Tonelli was explaining that to me back in the day when he was inventing programmatic media, I was like, this is amazing. I, my view is that everything will be programmatic mm. and it's only a matter of time because it's fucking hard to buy television at point one of a tarp. The, even the reps and redoing props, and it's too hard. So we've got to find a better way. The only way we're gonna, it's gonna get better is if, from a television perspective, the networks actually work together rather than fight against each other. To, to for, say, the benefit, for the benefit of the overall industry. Yeah, for the benefit of the overall industry. I wouldn't be surprised if 10 fall out of this marketplace. I, I, I think that they've got their, um, their in, they've got their uh, VODs. You need a third network Do to you? keep the bastards honest like the Democrats. Well, no, no, you don't, mate. You don't, because we've got to populate, we've, we're an island with a population of less than 30 million people, mm. right? UK only had two TV stations. I don't know how many they've got now for such a long period of time, right? Like 50 odd mil, 55 mil. And it's, it's too much. It's too much. 
So I don't know whether that's going to happen, whether that will change the landscape a little bit. But I just well, think... I hope cheap seats. And have you been paying attention? I know, Nick. And anything with Chrissy Swan in it? I know, I know, Nick. I know, Nick. But the Americans probably don't care. The Americans will look at the bottom line and go, well, we're not making any money in this market. That's what I reckon will happen in time. Hopefully it won't. Well, what's, what's the horizon on that? Two years? Hopefully longer, but... Yeah. And hopefully not for where, um, 10 people that are, that might happen who listen to this, if they do. Well, no, you've named more than 10 people just in our discussion today, so each of them will no, listen well, for sure. Well, maybe. Even maybe. the lawyers, I think their lawyers will listen. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Potentially. It's only an opinion, right? Is that how we get around it, Ruddy, is it? Well, it's only an opinion. Correct. A good one, most you. Valid as well. Got best in market. Absolutely. Our old boss used to just put them out there and just see what reaction you'd get out of it as well too. So you might as well say something, see if there's a reaction. But it's but it's just going to become harder and harder for us older people to actually do the job because there's so many, like you're saying, there's so many data points, so much technology to keep up to date with, so much linking. Mm. And hopefully they'll make that bit easier to make media easier. But this is the best best job in the world, media on them, you know. Yeah, it is sensational. What what we've seen and, and, and the fun that we've had all the way through and, and a lot of it's been through a lot of it is the people that you meet. I mean, I've never met a really good computer that I've wanted to spend a lot of time with you know? that's true <laughs> it is true it's a great industry and like you said when you think you go back to the beginning and you're looking at faxes and now you're talking about programmatic i yeah. mean the speed that that's happened mm. it does make the future an exciting one it's great i think so well we've covered a bit of ground there and ended on a big call the death of the 10 network uh, you said that you said it. Now, I just said I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't say they'd die, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Americans decided to pull out of this country because they're not making any money. Oh, well, they'll just sell it to someone. Well, well that gives me hope. Yeah. I'm going to sell it. Yeah. 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 Potentially, they could sell it as well, too. And do you have a favourite media? Yeah, no, I don't like to discriminate in life. I think that um, everyone should be given a, an opportunity. So I like them all. But I like the people that run all the medias and I think rather than the, the media. Well, that's good because they speak highly of you. I don't think so. <laughs> Occasionally they do. Tough negotiators. Occasionally they do. Firm but fair. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that means. Mm. Means everybody gets thirty percent. That's right. Everybody gets thirty. Some people get twenty. I did cut my teeth on TV, so TV's probably the one that I get. But I'm, how do you go between outdoor on TV, radio, digital? I guess we we haven't done enough of digital buying as a, as a as a professional buyer uh, to fully absorb it. Your uh, background, Ruddy, you might not understand this, but Alex once bought a spot and it tapped a 90. A 90. A 90. 90% of the target <clears throat> audience saw his ad. It's unbelievable. 
versus the point ones that, that, that TV stations are doing now. Imagine how many of those. You can work that out in your head. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. Somebody sent a proposal to me the other day, no names, no pact you, but they told me that a current affair was going to do a 24 in regional Victoria, and I had to send it back. Yeah. Say, so, uh, are you sure? Really sure it's going to do a 24. It's what the survey says. Current affair. I can't see ACA doing a 24. I can see. I can see someone being a bit cheeky and using the soccer ratings, the women's oh, soccer ratings, yeah. and using the last four weeks. I was saying this to someone just the other day that you, you're never, ever going to see seven two do that again. <laughs> It'll skew. It'll skew negotiations for the next two years. They'll put all their rates up, and people will go, wow, 7 is immensely popular. Yes. Yes, yes. Are those ratings sustainable? Yes. Of course yes, they, they are. Of course they are. So it's going to do $3 million yeah. every yeah. night. We'll take the money, and we'll give it back to you and make goods over the course of the next 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Thing tuned? particular piece of music that you'd listen to if you won an award if you got anything like that that you'd oh he's won many awards well we've not heard um, them I don't know um, right about now Fat Boy Slim choice so good concert too was it mm. where'd you see that London no my Moscow. music but oh my music about three, three, three months ago whatever it was it was really good Fat Boy Slim yeah I was going to that show I heard he was here yeah. I wanted to go and see that yeah Wow, didn't even know he was alive anymore. There you go, mate. Right about now, fun soul, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Got enough? Yeah, good one to finish on. Very good. Yeah. Anything else from you, Nick? No, I think I've said enough. Alex, thank you very much. That was very enlightening. It wasn't too boring. I don't know about you, Swifty, but I really enjoyed that. I've known Pekka for over 20 years, and, and I never knew about his hot dog and fish and chip businesses. Did you? Uh, I knew he liked eating hot dogs, but I had no idea he was also a successful merchant in that industry. I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be a good idea to get a diverse range of media people on our podcast to share their stories? What do you think? Oh, I totally agree, my friend. And Anyone with a great story is welcome, and that's pretty much everyone in this game. Yeah, I agree with that, Swifty. Here's one for you, though. I was thinking about Pecker and how, you know, at the beginning he started, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet, and fax, everything was on faxes. Wouldn't it be great to get some young media execs on the podcast talking about what they do now and what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy, and maybe how they see the future? And then in 20 years, say, when me and you are on that boat of yours, what's it called again? I called it the Thank You Dentsu. <laughs> Why was that? Because <laughs> I bought it with my redundancy money. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so we're on your boat doing some sport because we always did sport. We always sport. do sports. So fishing. Yeah, Big yeah, fan yeah. of sport. And maybe a glass of red and a cigar. And we'll host that young exec who, you know, when he came on 20 years ago, just said, oh, you know, when I was in the sports business, eh, and it was just shitty LED screens, and now we've got LED grounds, roofs, everything's LED or something else, whatever mm. it is. I mean, I don't know. It, or you, and you can be on the other side of the world. Wherever innovation takes us. What about your side of the fence, Swifty? Media agencies in 20 years. Yeah. <clears throat> Mate, clients will always need people to ensure things run smooth. You can't trust a computer to care about your breakfast live reads and your position in breaks. They'll always need people like me. Great. 
So if you're interested in coming on the podcast, I'll use the sponsor's email address they've given me, which is matt.rudd at sportsxglobal.com. Drop us your name and number and we'll contact you and set up a time. And thanks for listening. And remember, in the immortal words of Oscar Wilde, there is only one thing worse in life than being talked about, and that is not being talked about. So ruminate on that and drop us a line. And it's good night from me. And it's good night from him.